en hartelike goeiemorgen, welkom by ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelik saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, jy woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na jy woord, en Psalm 119, 105 sê, jy woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy mondtik kan worstel nie. Krij dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Van jou oor na jou hart, na jou mond, na jou voete. Word deel van hierdie lewe op 657 Radio Kansel en 729 Kaapse Kansel. That's where you tune to. Warm hearted good morning from God's Footstool here in Kilner Park in Pretoria. Trust to find you well. And uh, waar you ook al is op hierdie uh, draaiende clip op hierdie eerste november, can you believe it? Uh, time's just absolutely flying. Rocky Stevenson, good morning, my brother. How are you doing? Good morning. What a joy it is to be here. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, bless the heart of God for bringing you safely. And uh, yet another opportunity we have to search the scriptures until 12 o'clock this morning. So, scriptural skrifteerlik, dis die naam van die program en as jy dalk vraag het uit die woord van die Heere, baie welkom om dit vir ons te stuur. The only way you can send your questions to stereo is by WhatsApp number so if you're going to miss out on the WhatsApp number right now, do not despair. We'll be giving it throughout the program, maar uh, jy kan net op WhatsApp kan jou vraag instuur, not voice notes, please note, no voice notes, you only have to type in your question and uh, if possible just make reference to the scripture that you're unsure about. This is the uh, program where we look at lifestyle questions. And say, people, have the Lord a solution for my problem? In the word of the Lord. I think about the term of someone who asked me last week, Come the word Halloween in the Bible forth? Come uh, on the word Kersfeest in the Bible. What say the word of the Lord over these things? en kom die woorde specifiek daarvoor. So, en waar kom jullie gebruiken vanaf? So, if you've got questions with regards to that, you send it to us, 082-657. Have you got that? 082 Oh, yes, you say, I have to open up my contacts and store it there. Yes, and uh, put a star next to it, make it one of your favorites, and it will make life much easier for you to send in your questions. So, here's the number, 082 Vodacom Network, then 657. That's that's on the frequency that you're listening to right now on your car radio, house radio, wherever you are, 657, then the number 2, and then 729, which is the uh, sister station down in the Cape, Radio Cape Pulpits uh, frequency on which they broadcast. Let's put it all together, 082 657 2729. That just doesn't add up. Doesn't doesn't make sense. Had a friend down in PE that says, Let's leave no stone unturned to find the truth. And I think Rocky, you yourself said we sometimes confused. God is not the one that's confused about the the stuff that we do in this world that we keep ourselves busy with. Uh, the Lord is not confused. The Bible, the blueprint for happy living, and we uh, tend to leave no stone unturned to find the answers to those problems. So as you have asked, 082 
657-2729. Made reference of Halloween last week and uh, uh, did a program in Brumpend on that. And then somebody sent in a question and says, yeah, well, wh- what about Christmas? Wasn't that supposed to be a pagan holiday, a pagan tradition as well? Should we as Christians celebrate Christmas? Or how should we celebrate it without all the other added, and the person typed in the word, pagan traditions? Now, I want to say this. A lot of people will be immediately offended and say, is this pagan? Is it not pagan? I'm not celebrating pagan traditions. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we even find the word Christmas in Bible as the 25th of December? Really, the birthday, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what do we know with regards to that? And I know we've often tackled in the 40 years of Radio Pulpit's existence this question. And I think this morning, one more time, if you've missed out on it, don't stray or go away. Rocky, if we search the Scriptures, what does the Bible say with regards to Christmas? Yeah, it's a, a sensitive question. I know that, as you've said, it has the potential of either upsetting some people maybe even uh, causing some people to wonder where where I'm at with the position that, that I take even at Benoni Bible Church. And hopefully we can deal with some of that and some of even what what I look at doing even within our own, own family and church family. Now, the origins of Christmas, the first known date of Christmas was being rejoiced on the 25th of December was in around 336 A.D., and that was quite a pivotal point because then the the known world under Constantine turned towards becoming a state religion of Christianity. And so much of actually what had been pagan festivals suddenly took on some of the Christian kind of a names. And so Christmas was actually declared as a day of Christian worship. And it was during the time of Roman Emperor Constantine, who was the first Christian Roman emperor. And from there, the Roman Catholic Church really began to stem out. Can I just ask a question? When you say Christian emperor, is it on record? Was he genuinely reborn? Was he a a, a Christian in the true sense of it, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, or was it just religion? We're not actually too sure with regard to, to him. There's different viewpoints. Yeah, He... Actually, was heading. There was a bit of a civil war between him and other Roman generals, and he had a dream one night about painting a white cross onto his shields of his men, and they were outnumbered two to one. And he had this battle and ended up winning the battle. Right. And part of what he then decided to do was to get rid of some of the pagan religion and to begin worshiping Christ. Right. And what is quite interesting about that time is there were various church councils that he was involved in and there was a lot of good reform that happened as a result of him turning the the church began to no longer be persecuted but it began to actually become the persecutor which became something of an interesting phenomenon at that time and so we're not too sure whether or not Roman Emperor Constantine truly was born again or not there's some sources that would say that it would seem he was there's others that that seem to not his mother Catherine, actually, um, she ended up declaring Mount Sinai being Mount Sinai that wasn't the right Mount Sinai. No. And so she did a whole trip of the of the Holy Land, and it would seem that she had a profession of faith as well. But it, but this is where really the, 
what was called then the Roman Catholic Church became the the major dominant church. And there were really three different places that were, let's say, centers of this up in Alexandria, in Constantinople, as well as in Rome. And there were bishops of these three places. And eventually it kind of went into this, what was then the Roman Catholic kind of a church. Oh, right. But after some years, Pope Julius, um, formerly Julius I, formally announced that the birth of Jesus would be rejoiced on the 25th of December. And so you've got to think through this this way. You've got a Roman emperor that declares and says, this is the day that we're now going to worship the birth yeah, of Jesus. It's now law. It's now law. Mm-hmm. And this is now where we're going to worship this yeah. um, the, the, about the birth of Jesus. There's no evidence within the scriptures of Jesus being born on the 25th of December. To the contrary. It would actually seem that he was more born in September. There's yeah. different dates that are given um, for us. But the, the, the skeptics are actually correct in pointing out that the Christian, or let's say rather the Christmas origin, was adapted from a pre-existing pagan festival, which was called Saturnalia, which was the worship of Saturn. The, the, this celebration was really the winter solstice, and it was a week-long festival of debauchery as well as lawlessness, which was practiced from the 17th to the 25th of December. And Rome was where it really started, but the whole Roman world began to take part in this Saturnalia. Santa, actually, is simply another version of the pagan god Saturn. And so there's so much paganism that has crept in in the ways in which this was done. Gifts were given, and so gifts are now given. Candles were lit. Candles now are lit. Trees were decorated. And so much of what was happening in this pagan festival, Saturnalia, became something that was Traditions now Traditions of men. That, it became, yes, yeah. it, it crept in, and oh, it right. just kind of got switched over to now a Christian festival. Oh, Somebody right. like Roman Emperor Nero, who was guilty of martyring many Christians, actually he was the Roman emperor that uh, would kill Paul and Peter, he actually would even pay for prostitutes to be able to be freely available for the usage of anybody in Rome during this actual festival. So the the name St. Nicholas may have been borrowed from a Catholic saint named Nicholas, and he seemed to have been a good man who actually did a lot of good for orphans and did give gifts and that type of thing. But now that became Santa Claus. And even the concept of this idea and the myth of Santa has grown from the pagan roots of uh, Saturnalia, that idea of he's watching you while you're sleeping, he's going to give you gifts if you're good, and all of these things are actually from this pagan root. And so Santa and Santa Claus comes from this god, Saturn. So, But I, I want to take us then also to a, a flip side of this as well. And this is where I think we will get some of the balance. Because do we, do we just never ever think about the birth of our Lord Jesus because of the fact that there's pagan days? By the way, our whole Monday through to Sunday is all from pagan gods. Oh, right. The fact that we have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Named after all pagan of those gods. are named Monday, after yeah. pagan gods. Yeah, very much so. Actually, all of our, our months, January, mm-hmm. February, March, we have paganism that is so enrooted, and we're called to be a people that are a holy people, a different people. But a passage that I want to take our listener to is Romans 14, and this is where we see a, a bit of a balance that gets brought. It says there in that passage, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. 
The one who eats must not view the one who does not eat with contempt, and the one who does not eat must not judge the one who eats, for God accepts him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And then listen to what Paul continues to say. He says, one person judges one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards the day regards it for, for the Lord, and he who eats, eats for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who does not eat, for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live to the, for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Now, part of the point of Romans 14 is to show that each one of us as Christians must give an answer before the Lord for our own living before him. And we must be a people that are holy before him, honoring the Lord. And we need to give thought to what we do day by day in worship. And here's where I would give a bit of a balance is that the Christian has been set free from the pagan world that he's living in. He's no longer a pagan. He's yeah. no longer a Gentile. He's actually a sojourner. He's a sojourner. Mm. He is an ambassador for Christ. His whole mindset has changed. The reason why he does what he does is different from the way that the world does it. He is free underneath Christ to have a day, even if it is the 25th of December, where he thinks about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, but is not actually taking part in a pagan festival. And we each one must do unto the Lord that which his conscience is, is working in him regarding. And as you think through Romans 14, there's a number of aspects that come to mind. There's no specific day that is more holy than another day, and there's no specific day that is less holy than another day. As well as we, when we're doing something like a Christmas service even, though it has these pagan roots on the 25th of December, this is something that initially was used for sun worship and for Saturn worship, and it was done in all of these, these there, there were these horrid things that were happening. But the Christian is separate from that. The Christian isn't even part of that. The Christian has been saved wholly by Christ, and every day for the Christian is a day to worship the Lord, whether it be the 1st of December or the 25th of December. The Christian worships the Lord. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15 says it is a trustworthy saying and deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among who, whom I am the foremost. So as you think through these concepts and we think about the fact that the scriptures don't actually put aside to us a specific day that we are to worship Jesus about the birth of our Lord Jesus, then we come to realize, but why was Jesus actually born? And that's where the Christian needs to be thinking. This was a man born to die. This was a man who was born to give his life as a ransom for many. And you think about the purpose of why Jesus was born in the first place, and you realize that this was a man who came to serve, not a man who was born to be served, Matthew 20 verse 28. So as we think about Christmas and Christmas Day, even though that even, that even comes from this idea of having the Mass, and you yeah. have the Christ Mass, that you'd have this feast even on that day. Why, why should churches even still be doing that? Now, here's where I want to put a caveat. At Benoni Bible Church, we still have a Christmas Day service. Yeah. But why would we do that? Not because we're pagan worshippers, not because we're doing what pagans do with this, 
But we also see this as a time of evangelism, and we see by statistics that many people that even call themselves Christians who aren't really Christians go to church on a day like a Sunday. Yeah. Uh, sorry, a day like Christmas Day. Yeah. And so we give the gospel, and we proclaim the gospel. We remember some of the passages that speak of the birth of Christ. We teach our people that Christ was born to die. We're not under any illusion that he was not born on the 25th of December. We're not doing this like it was done when Constantine declared this or when this was declared as the day that Jesus was born. We're not doing this like the winter solstice. We're not doing this like a pagan thing, but we can't deny that those things had those roots, that there were those roots there. But here's the, the area where we set free. We have a liberty in Christ. We are set free from all of these aspects within the world, and God is after each one of our hearts. And here's where we've got to be careful as well, and the legalism route is so there for us. We have these ideas in us where we've got to follow these rules, and we've got to do these things, and we've got to not do those things, and we think to ourselves, this is the way that I please God. For the Christian, they recognize that it is Christ alone that pleases the Father. And it's Christ's perfect work at the cross that pleases the Father. And it's us being dressed in Christ that we're actually able to stand acceptable to the Father. Now, that doesn't give us a license to go and sin. And please don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying go and take part in some pagan thing and go, oh, but I'm free, I can do this. Not at all. When, when your conscience is, is lightened on and you can see that this thing that you're doing is actually not a godly thing, then turn away from that. But who are you to judge your mm. your master's servants? So we've got to be careful with this. And as we I'd say, there's been a shift even in, in my own family. We don't put up a Christmas tree, for example. Uh, but we don't go and walk into another Christian's house who has a Christmas tree and suddenly anathema and burn their house down. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we, we have great patience with one another. Yeah. We, we actually don't give gifts at Christmas time either in my family. And something that I've adopted from one of my fellow elders, well, my fellow, only fellow elder in the church, Henny, um, he, he has a wonderful um, tradition that they have towards the end of the year where they say, well, why do I appreciate you? And they'll go around um, as a family, and it's not on the 25th, but it's at the end of the year. They have a family holiday, and they talk with each other, the grandchildren, the parents, the grandparents. They all talk with each other yeah. around the table, having supper or lunch, and they talk. A, a, they have an appreciation day or have an appreciation time yeah. as a family. And they say, this is why I appreciate you in this last year, this, this thing that you've done. And so that's something that we've adopted in, in my family as well, and, and this includes – um, the, the times that we'll be sitting down with my mother-in-law, brother-in-law, and we'll be sitting down and we'll have a time where we'll talk to each other and about why we appreciate one another. And we'll do g- gifts at a different time than Christmas. It'll yeah. be towards the end of the year, heading into the new year, and it takes a different flavor completely. It's not because of some other tradition, but it's something that we as a little family are doing now and we're thinking about, you know, why is this person special? Because the whole idea of I'm giving gifts at Christmas time because Jesus was the gift for us. It just, we don't see that anywhere in the scriptures. And we want to be a people that are scriptural in the things that we do. And, and, and really much of Christmas has become just about the feasting that we have. And it becomes about the gifts that we're all getting. And we're all wondering, you know, wondering 
whereas, whereas we're not wanting to have that as the focus. But that's it, it stems from the from the postcard. I'm just thinking a postcard, the the Christmas card, isn't it? Where you see the 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 uh, wise men from the east, and they bring the the goud virwak and mirror, and they consider dalvoorgies. So that's another thing that was twisted in the long run, wasn't it? And because they say, well, because they brought gifts, that's why we were giving gifts to one another. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you and, know, and, and it's really just a way of of being able to keep some of the traditions that the Roman Empire that was happy yeah. about over that time and, and keeping that feast and then changing it now to yeah. to a different feast. But once you realize these things, it's not something that should scare you as a Christian. It's something that you should be able to be honest about and go, yes, this is the way this has been done, just like so much else of our world is so steeped in paganism. Yeah. If you're going to remove yourself completely from anything that is pagan, you literally got to be not in this world. Yeah. You know, yeah. And the Bible tells us that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Yeah. And so what God's after is the heart change. He's after a heart that's after him and after his worship. And we'll take any excuse, thank you very much, to worship the Lord Jesus yeah. on, on any day. If, if the world takes a public holiday, we're happy as a church to use that public holiday to worship the Lord Jesus. There's a great freedom that comes with exactly. that whole sojourner, sojourner yes. concept. Yes. Patriotism falls away. Many things that falls yes. away because I'm just moving through this world. And, and the problem with the legalist approach yeah. of, okay, well, I'm not going to do this thing because it has this kind of root or that kind of root. And then it looks at everybody else with this judgmental look. Yeah. And, okay, well, that person actually did this. Don't they know that this was pagan, etc.? Is it really <laughs> becomes this pattern? on the back where you look with contempt on your brothers and sisters and that's where we need to be careful and with knowledge comes a a, a level where you can become really puffed up you might know about these things how are you going to treat your brother and sister because the Lord Jesus is more concerned about how you would treat one another than whether you're going to eat a raisin cake all right you know um, all things depending on where your heart is at and this is where he, he wants you to, to see this. But when you know about certain things, for example, the false ideology that little boys and little girls can be good and therefore they get presents. And if they're good, Santa sees them in this omniscient Santa Claus that actually comes from Saturn. And when you know these things and you're a Christian and now you're telling your children this fictitious thing that's not true, realize the logical impact that that can have on your children. Yeah. You have your children growing up. And you put in cookies and milk out for a fake Santa, and you as daddy are coming and dressing On the in same some Santa suit. As a tooth fairy, yes, eh? and you come and you put in these presents, and you're actually giving a lie to your children. Yeah. Now you've got to think about that. And Christians need to be a people that think about why they do what they do. Yeah. And that would be where the balance is. You know, don't tell your kids this this lie. And then let them believe this lie because what ends up happening is the children then don't believe their parents when they tell them about Jesus. And when the parents tell them about God the Father who is omniscient, who is omnipresent, who is omnipotent, who is omnicompetent, and, and, they, must, and they must give an account to him one day. <clears throat> and he does see what they do in secret. And yeah. he does see and he hears even the thoughts and the intentions of their heart. And now the child throws that, that out as well because, oh, but they've been telling me about the Santa Claus and about the tooth fairy and about all of these other things which actually were not true. Mm. And so it is actually for the Christian to be a person of common sense who actually has the dignity to to study, to go and look. I mean, we should be a people as Christians that that are the most informed as individuals. And we should wonder to ourselves, well, why do I do what I'm doing? Am I actually taking traditions of men and making this thing like a law in my life? 
I don't want my kids to grow up thinking like this or thinking like that. And, and we've got to think through these things. Why do we do what we do? And then having said that, at Benoni Bible Church, as I said, we have a Christmas Day service. This year, on the 25th, it's actually on a Sunday, and we'll be having the Lord's Day service, most likely at the same time that we usually have our service on a Sunday morning. I'll probably preach from one of the gospel accounts regarding the birth of Christ. So I'm putting that, I'm saying, yes, where the history is, yeah. but there's this freedom in Christ to be able to worship Jesus because we've been set free. Yeah. Without having the mindset of, well, this is definitely the day Jesus is born, or having these arguments about these things. God has warned us not to be having arguments about these things. So you can know the truth, and the truth actually is that which sets you free, and the truth is Christ, the Lord. And if he's your Lord, then he's your Lord, whether it's the 25th of December or whether it's the 26th of December. And then you've got to think to yourself, what am I doing during this time? Am I taking part in gluttony or drunkenness or any of these immoral things? We to be separate from the world. So it's to be in this world, but not of this world. And that would be the, I guess, my final message to the listener is be in this world and not of this world. Be a holy people. Think about some of the ways that you practice any day, any different feast, etc. And you have liberty in Christ that Christ has given you by his blood to live for him in a free way. And part of that freedom is the ability to say no to certain things and the ability to say yes to certain things with the freedom that Christ has given. So um, that's, that would be, a, um, I think, a balanced way of viewing something like Christian uh, Christmas, not something to be fighting over as yeah. families, but something to talk through and to, to see that Jesus is your Lord. We don't do what we do for ourselves. We do it for his glory. And especially after listening to a program like this this morning, to go and sit down with your family and say, what's going to change this year? Chris Eminus, you are next. Uh, hope uh, that uh, you have, well, have listened to what we said. You tuned to Scriptural, Scriptural, tot en met 12 uur vandag. En uh, jy kan jou vraag vir ons instuur na 0826 2729 Ek wil net gauw hier een rechtstelling maak Okker, jy het vir ons een vraag ingestuur oor die Sabbat Hy sê, ek weet jy het baie al daar oor gepraat maar ek het rechtige begeerte om te verstaan Okker, ons gaan nie verochend oor die Sabbat gesels nie Ons het al oor die rustdag gesels en oor die Sabbat in diepte in hierdie program specifiek So ons gaan hierdie ene verochend Ek gloe jy sal ons vergewe as ons om verochend net eers oorslaan Maar daar is juist in die pot gooie wat op ons webwerf is is daar van die programme dit sal nou vereis dat jy die programme moet deurwerk maar is daar een baie baie in, interessante en eensetting oor die sammat en die sondag, die rustdag van die Heere en uh, die verskil tussen die twee so baie dankie ook vir hom Koos Eminus, uh, volgend, uh, can you see Rocky send die dien for uh, the second time hy sê goeiemorgen uh, jylle kan uh, geris in Engels antwoord uh, my vraag Hy sê, doodeverig, hy sê, voor Lucifer sy sonde teen God, was hy in het derde van die engele toch volmaak. Geen sonde, toe hulle in die hemel teen God gesondig het. Met andere woorde, tot op die punt, was die engel dom, en waarvan uh, Lucifer, soos ons het verstaan, uh, aan die hoofd van die engele gestaan het, vry van sonde. Hy sê, wat een waarborg het ons eendag in die hemel, uh, wat een eeuwigheid gaan wees, 
dat van sy kinders nie in eeuwigheid ook teen God in opstand gaan kom en teen hom gaan sondig nie. Onthou, ons gaan baie mag hee en ons mag kan in boosheid ontaard. Hy sê so as in naaskrif, ek wil nie in die hemel wees, waar daar die geringste kans is dat ek teen my dierbare Abra vader kan sondig nie, dan wil ek liever hevige niks wees waar ek, soos voorgeboorte, waar ek nie geweet het van, van God of my medemees en ek wil hom nie te leerstel op so'n manier nie. Rocky, do we find an answer in God's word with regard to that? Do we have any sureties? And I'm thinking immediately about the thousand year reign of Christ here on earth, where the people on earth, let me highlight that. That's the way I understand the scripture, Christ ruling from Jerusalem. And then the Bible says, at the end, God himself will loose Satan, and the wheels would literally come off. Even though people have seen Christ ruling here on earth, what would it be like in heaven? Kurs says, man, oh man, if there's a slight chance, what guarantees do we have that there won't be a coup once again in heaven like we did, uh, like we saw with Satan and a third of the angels? Yeah, actually, um, I I can't help this little joke. Um, Kurs says that we can have freedom to to answer this question in Engels. And then he talks about the Engels <laughs> over here. And that's why that's why um English 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 oh, must be must be the heavenly language, right? Oh, because right. it's Engels. You know? And For the Engels, angels. Engels yes. talk Engels. Yes. Um, no. Um so so it's a, it's a wonderful question. There are a number of differences between the angelic beings and human beings. The angelic world was created in its full number. And as he made mention, a third of the angels fell with uh, with Satan. And, and the estimation of the amount of angels that there are in heaven is, is even more than the stars in the sky of those two-thirds that are left. So for every one angel that followed Lucifer, there were two angels that remained behind. Yeah. We're not uh, like fully sure why those other two-thirds didn't. And it would seem that that was that uh, point where they had this choice. Are you going to follow Satan? Or are you going to follow God? Was God taken by surprise? Never. Does it does it say to us that even though as angels they had a freedom uh, of choice as well? It it would seem they had that freedom because yeah. a third of them did. Yeah. A third of them followed, and there's no place for redemption for angels. And and yes, where there's a difference as well is that mankind procreates, and that's where we have men come about. We weren't all created all at once. No. We had Adam and Eve created, and then from adam and eve you have the human race and satan actually goes after adam and eve and he wants to attack the seed and he wants to attack adam and eve and attack their children he goes if i get adam and eve i get the rest of them and mankind is born in sin and they're born under the law and the wages of sin is death but god in his mercy has has made a plan for the redemption of man God, which is which is not uh, yes, applicable to angels, and it's not applicable to angels. angels. God never made a a plan for redemption for angels, and so here's some of the differences: we are born in sin, and then we also are culpable because we choose to sin, and those wages of sin is death. And our Lord Jesus, by the free gift that He gives, He gives eternal life. Yeah. And our Lord Jesus redeems us by His blood. He pays the penalty for, of our sin, past, present. And future, and so there's a marvelous reconciliation that happens between us and God, based on a choice once again that you, yes. as a human, have to make. Yes, and we turn to Jesus and we live, and so there's life in Christ yeah. that we receive, 
And, and here's where some of the difference comes as well, is that though we are saved in that salvific born-again moment, that John 3 born-again kind of a, a moment where the Spirit of God quickens us and we are born again, we still will be saved. So there's a future redemption that the Scripture speaks of. And this is, I think, where Quirce's question comes, is what will actually ensure that that happens? I've got this battle now, and we very, we very much don't know what it's like to even live in a world without sin. Wow. We, we mm. sin. We, we have sin. We have, people, we have people that sin against us. And the Christian has this oxymoronical kind of a living where they are groaning, but they are also growing in glory. And there's this growing in, in this redemption that Christ has given. And that's that sanctification journey and what we call glorification one day where there will no longer be any sin. So listen to First Peter chapter 1 because I think this gives a bit of an insight to this. First Peter 1 verse 3 to 12. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. So there he's speaking about this born again moment. And what are we born again to? He says, to a living hope. What is this living hope? We know that we're going to be with Christ one day, to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What is this living hope? Jesus Christ rose from the dead. There's this resurrection. What are we looking forward to? We're looking forward to the day of redemption. We're looking forward to taking part in this resurrection with Christ. And then it says this, to obtain an inheritance incorruptible. So why is it that we will never wow. ever sin? It's because God has said we will never ever sin. All right. And because God said it, Won't that's ever be allowed again. we will never ever be allowed again. This, when we are with him yeah. in heaven, to obtain an inheritance incorruptible, unable to have sin, and undefiled and unfading. It will always last. It will always be uncorruptible. It will always un. Fate. Can I can I make a sideline remark here? Because what comes up in my spirit is the Lord Jesus Himself said, "This world will pass away, but my words will Never stand will. for all yes, eternity." Indeed, wow. and and then it continues to say this in First Peter one. He says, "Having been kept in heaven for you, who keeps this? Well, God, God is himself, keeping this." Yeah. God is the one who ensures this, and God is the one that says that this will happen. And then verse 5 says, Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the, la in the last time. Yes. So there's a born-again-now salvation, but there is a salvation that's coming. This is this glorification of the saint with God. And then what are the results of this? And Peter actually continues to tell us this in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. What should that reality have in, in Quirce's heart, in my heart, in your heart? We greatly rejoice because there's going to be a time where there's no sin for us anymore. And then he says, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Why are these various trials here? Well, because we're east of the Garden of Eden as yeah. such, and we're south of heaven. We're not yet there. We're in this messy place, and there's sin. People sin against us, we sin against others, we're in this world that is broken, there's the curse of Adam, there's all of this is we're grieved, if necessary, by various trials. Mm, and then it says, yeah. so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable. So what is up with our, our, our faith? It doesn't perish like gold. I mean, gold is one of the most imperishable things on earth, but 
Our faith is even more imperishable than that, even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's a coming time when we will have the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is what we look forward to. This is the hope that we have. We will receive glorified bodies. We will no longer have these fleshly bodies. When this body dies, it goes into the ground and it rots. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And at the resurrection of the dead, which is at that rapture point, we receive glorified bodies which no longer will know anything of sin and will no longer sin. And it is kept. Why? Because God said it will be kept that way. And then it says this, And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but you believe in him, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So what are we looking forward to? The salvation of our souls. All right. That's that future pre- incorruptible, that future incorruptible aspect. And then he says, verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, made careful searches and inquiries, inquiring to know what time or what kind of time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he was predicting the suffering of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which now have been declared to you through those who proclaim the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And then listen to this little phrase at the end of this, and this is why this passage is so fitting to the answer to Quirsus' question. Things into which angels long to look. Dinge waar die engele begeerig is om in te sien. Wow. Even the angels yeah. are actually thinking about the same question that Quirsus has given us. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. They're wondering to themselves, why would God take somebody that has actually been an active enemy of God and was guilty of putting Jesus Christ on the cross. Why would God have mercy on such an individual? Why would God, in his love, take somebody that is that rotten and actually save them? We had a third of our our fellow ones that were made with us that fell and went after Satan. And there was no chance for them. And that was that one sin, and there was no chance for them. I know Vainant, and I know Rocky, and look at how much they've sinned, and yet God in his mercy would love them that much and not just save them from being an enemy, but now make them a son of God, a daughter of God. They go to heaven, and they seated at the table, and Christ himself will serve them. This is just, this is beyond us. These These are things into which angels long to look and it's wrapped up in the perfection of the salvific work that Christ has achieved for us on the cross and will achieve for us when we are with him isn't this amazing i get goosebumps when you talk about it you know the ultimate yeah. redemption that yeah. we receive through the lord jesus christ is that which secures this the putting off of the flesh when this body dies and rots and the soul and the spirit of the man goes to be with the, the lord second corinthians 5 verse 6 and then also we think through the receiving of the indwelling of the holy spirit john 14 26 to 27 jesus says this but the advocate the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all these things and bring to your remembrance all that i said to you Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And then you think through something of what Paul has said in Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. 
because we, we receive what, what is spoken of there. In Romans chapter 7, listen to what Paul says um, there. If you think about Romans seven eighteen to to 25, he says that that he doesn't do the very things that he wishes that he would do, and he finds himself doing the things that he should not do. And he says, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this body of death? And then he says, blessed be God. God's the one that does this. God's the one that secures this. Why is it that you and I will one day not sin against God? Because God does this for us. And then he starts off in Romans chapter 8. And listen to verse 1 to 4 of Romans 8. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So here's the big thing. Are you in Christ Jesus? That's the <laughs> Almost big Almost jumped up. <laughs> yeah. Almost jumped up with a shout of joy. <laughs> yeah. For, for the law of the spirit of life is yeah. in Christ Jesus you, has Lord. set you free from the law of sin and of death. Yeah. This is an ultimate act that Christ has done. And this is why we have this redemption. For, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Why will we not sin? Because we will walk according to the spirit. And then listen to the last part of Romans chapter 8 and I want to get there now. Romans eight thirty-two to 39. He who indeed did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You see, why will we not sin one day? Because Jesus Christ died and Jesus rose again. Why will we not sin one day? Because God gave his son Jesus and therefore he gives this to us. And then he says this, who will bring, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. What secures this for us? It's the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, who also intercedes for us. Who will, se- who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will affliction or turmoil or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were counted as sheep to the slaughter, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor anything in the created world will separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Chasing time here. It's uh, almost uh, 10 minutes to the uh, hour of uh, 12 midday. And uh, Chris Eminence, thank you so much on WhatsApp. He says uh, thank you very much. God bless you guys and thank you so much for that uh, teaching, that explanation. Uh, okay, a Jesu says thank you so much for the teaching. Much appreciated. And uh, yeah, various other people that also responded on WhatsApp. Thank you so much for that. Okay, we are going to look at the Sabbath day. I hope you forgive me for that. You know, Sanet, there in Zimbabwe, Livingston, so well. Look at your copy now. Not sure we are going to talk about you. I think with the time left our disposal, Sanet, we are going to look at your question. Good morning, Pastor Rocky in Wijnand. I have a question for you. Are you still back? Oor hoe om Satan teen te staan? Nou my vraag, dood eenvoudig, is die duivel alom teenwoordig soos, soos God? Omniscience, 
Is Satan everywhere like a God? Of gebruik hy sy demone om sy werk te doen? Rocky, what do we answer? Does the Bible give us a uh, question with regards to omniscience uh, all over the place, like oxygen, or is he just a single solitary individual? So, so Satan is a created being. He was obviously, and, and I was going to mention Ezekiel 28, you can jot that down if you wish, Ezekiel 28 verse 14 to 18, where we see him as an anointed cherub who covers, and he would have been probably the angel that would deliver the praises to God, and he would be closest to the throne of God, the angel of light, but he is a created being like the other angels. He's created like us. We can only be in one place at one time. So Satan is not om- omnipresent, which is everywhere at once. He is not omniscient. In other words, he does not know everything at once. He can take some pretty good guesses, and he's very smart. Yeah. He's very crafty. That's what we see in Genesis chapter 3. He was more crafty than everyone else, and it's by the craftiness of Satan that we see the world getting deceived. And, and even the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians actually writes to the church there and says he's scared that they would be driven away by this craftiness of Satan, the same kind of craftiness that he has. So he's definitely very smart, but he's not everywhere at once. He's not all-knowing, and he's definitely not all-powerful. We even know from the account with Job, he could not even touch Job without um, God giving the um, without God actually giving the the permission to Job. He, Job, he even actually accuses God and says that um, you've put a hedge around Job. And so we know that that he's actually he's only allowed to do what God even allows him to do, and he frustrates himself all the time because even his worst acts God uses for God's glory. So there would seem to be something of a network of demonic work and the demons there's there's so many of them because if the angels that are left in heaven according to revelation are almost more than the stars then then you can think about a third of that would actually be the demonic world and there are some demons that are already in gloomy chains of darkness and that's why some of the demons even when jesus saw them they said are you here to punish us before our time please would you send us rather into the pigs and so there's some demons that it would seem were already put into chains of darkness during Noah's time, but there's a lot of other demons that are on this earth. But we can take great comfort that we know that him that is in us is greater than he that is in this world. We know that Satan is deceiving the nations of this world. He deceives the governments of this world. We see Psalm 2 is a passage that comes to mind where Satan deceives the nations, and there's a coming time where Satan will be locked up for that thousand years, as you mentioned earlier, and God actually puts him aside when Jesus reigns from the earth. So I hope that answers the question. He's not everywhere at once. He's not all-powerful. He doesn't know all things. He's a created being, and him that is in you as a Christian is greater than he that is in this world. Ja, daar is die skrif vir jou, daar is die antwoord vir jou, so net Livingston, daar het Zimbabwe het wat volgens saamluister en saamkeer. Time to love and leave you, Rocky, can you believe it? Done, dust it, an whole hour gone into all eternity. If people want to be in touch with you, Rocky, where can they get hold of you? Email? At pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za Pastor 
at benonibiblechurch.co.za This is for all money on and ultimately please pray for him, his family and his congregation and that God would use this program mightily in your life and in my life. Next week, God willing, we'll be tackling some more questions that you and I might struggle with. Ultimately, it's good to listen to uh, Rocky Stevenson, Vaynan Rousseau, Scriptural and uh, your pastor, whoever, but the Word of God says Acts 7 11, to search the scriptures to see if these things are so. There's a responsibility that goes with that now and uh, something that you and I have to take up. Walk it, eat it, sleep it, dream it. The Word of God, you will find answers in there that will absolutely blow your mind. All that's left to say till next week is keep well, God bless you and Shalom.